0: In a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Dave Gurney. I am here with Joe Hilliard and returning guest. Excited. uh, Coming back after, it's almost a couple months ago, right? Two months ago, we were talking about Silent Night or Violent Night. Violent Night. Uh, and Die Hard, a lot of fun on that episode. Um, we have back in the studio with us Jim Fleury. Happy to be here. <laughs> Do you know what's come out since you were here?
1: Avatar. And I'd like to talk about that in after hours with you. I would love to. Yeah, it, it,
0: I, we haven't. Re- I, yeah, I've seen you around. Yeah, the office, we haven't talked. But I haven't about I really yeah. talked about Avatar with mm-hmm. you. There's so many other great things going on. Last of the, Us is there been are a better recent topic of at. conversation? Yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> oh, if we're going to
1: talk about Last of Us in after hours, I am fully caught up and ready to go.
0: See, I'm not yet. You, oh, you two well, are. Don't spoil this stuff. I won't right, spoil okay, it. All right, get on, get on to David. Get okay. Well, we 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 need to get on with the proceedings here. Uh, Joe, I know you have something in the can there right in front of you.
1: I do. You pulled it out of your refrigerator and handed it to me and said, talk about this. So yes. here I go. It is Martin House, our seventh time with one of our favorite breweries.
0: Uh, Absolutely. About, a mean, little
1: over a year ago, we did the Astronaut Apocalypse. Yeah. Um, re- remember that name. Bangarang this week. I love it when we start an episode with double-digit ABV. We're starting at 10. It is a imperial stout made with peanut butter caramel honey and marshmallow flavors just in time for winter now this is though very fascinating to me they say it right here on the can imperial stout with natural and artificial flavors and caramel color now the idea that adding caramel color to the beer to get a color
0: that they're looking for you don't see that a lot on, on a beer can. It also seems kind of weird for a stout. Like stouts are so dark, like with the, with the caramel color, what what are you really achieving? It looks pretty black to me as you're pouring it. Oh my god, it smells. Uh, the, oh. the head's got a caramel uh, yeah. quality. Yeah. Wait,
1: wait until you out. pour that yeah. in the glass and the, the odor are you, it comes it's out of right the glass out. and yeah. hits
2: you right in the face. Are we not going to talk about the uh, hook reference with this can?
0: P- Please, you, you go I for mean, it. I it. mean, it's, uh, what's his name, Rufio. I I don't I'm not a am not as oh. up on hook. I mean I know, uh, I know what you're talking about. The Spielberg, yeah, Peter Pan,
2: right? Dante Bosco as uh, Rufio. Oh. That's who the likeness is.
0: Okay. But
2: that was the I wanna say the sl- name or the slogan that the uh, the lost boys were chanting throughout the movie. Bang-a-rang?
1: bangarang Well now we know. Yeah. I think that we should definitely uh just change right now audible hook. Let's just do hook right this second. <laughs>
0: Instead of what we have planned, David, what do we have planned? <laughs> well, I mean, what we have planned is to drink this beer while we're talking about uh, the latest film from, I guess, emerging author, yeah. uh, Brandon Cronenberg. It appeared on the, several
1: of our, a few of our uh, top five list when we did the Bammies two years ago. Right.
0: Yes, because that was a was that a 2020 release. I believe of, so. Yeah. Possessor. Um, so yes, definitely uh, somebody who's been celebrated before on Beer in a Movie uh, when his film Possessor came out. But this is Brandon Cronenberg, the son of David Cronenberg, well-known, established as a, uh, really, I mean, kind of the guy in, in terms of body horror. Mm-hmm. Horror icon. Um, and his son here following very much in his father's footsteps, if anything, maybe even more... Um, resolutely than, than than his dad, but uh, nonetheless, we have his 2023 release, Infinity Pool, that we're going to be talking about uh, this evening. This is a film that uh, it stars Alexander Skarsgård uh, and Mia Goth, who another big favorite of the podcast. Uh, we we reviewed both X and Pearl last year and really enjoyed both quite a bit. Um, and, and again, another entry into her horror canon, I guess, at this point. And she's, you know, I guess a lot of people point to her as being this kind of emerging scream queen of sorts. Um, there's definitely some screaming that goes on there. <laughs> um, but, uh, but the basic premise here being that Scarsgard plays, uh, this character, James Foster, who is a writer. Um, he's written one novel, but it was published, I think, you know, five or six years ago. Uh, hasn't really found the inspiration to do anything since. He is spending time at a resort in sort of a what is it? Latoka is is the fictional country. Um where which seems vaguely Eastern European, would you you, say? Is it filmed
2: in Croatia? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um so he's there with his wife, uh, played by Cleopatra Coleman, as they are trying to I guess just experience this other place and maybe get some inspiration and he bumps into somebody Mia Goth plays uh who proclaims to be a fan of his of his first novel uh sort of invites them out for dinner and soon enough this sort of relationship is struck up between her and her husband and James and his wife they're spending some time together but things kind of go quickly awry when they go out on this uh excursion off the resort grounds and they end up uh, in a car accident that they then flee and government officials and and police get involved. And this is all in the trailer, folks, so it's not too much of a spoiler. We find out very quickly that the price to pay for any crime in this place is, is death, essentially. And in order to fulfill the spirit of that law, they will allow you to create a double of yourself. If, um, if you can pay for it. If you can pay, right? If you're a, if you are a wealthy foreigner, you can pay to have a double created that will be executed instead of you, and you actually get have to witness the execution um, as it happens. And uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. That I guess I should expand just a little bit beyond that because we then find out that Mia Goth and her husband have already been through this whole thing before, and in our fact, in fact, seem to be drawn to this resort and this country if only to be able to experience this having a double made of yourself and killed in front of you and, and also being able to break laws wantonly if and, you're and, wealthy yeah, enough if to if create a new double enough to create a new double so okay is that an okay synopsis sure have said it better yeah <laughs> it's, and it's got you know a lot of body horror there, there's some psychedelic drug taking some, exactly. in there as well uh, uh, uh,
1: one of the few films I've seen where the film itself has a title card uh, be warned. There are very a lot of uh, photosensitive guests may have problems right. with the flashing Strobing effect. Zay. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's a deal. I mean, there are some sequences in there where yep. uh, I, I could imagine if I was sensitive to that, it would have been uh, non stop. So, so is this is this a uh, I don't know. It, it, where do we start? Is this a continuation of the greatness we saw with Possessor Joe? What, what are you thinking?
1: I think certainly it is the idea that that Brandon Cronenberg has got a vision that he will commit to on screen, uh, no matter how disturbing the images are. That certainly that we're seeing more of that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say up top that I prefer Possessor to this film, mm-hmm. and uh, I, but before I tell you why, and I'd, I'd love to hear you and Jim's answer yeah, the yeah. same question.
2: Yeah. I would totally agree. Um, very strong film. Certainly is r- building upon his uh, emerging auteur status. I'm curious as to like a parallel to his father's career where this would be like his early work, like Shivers or Rabbit, mm. I guess at that point in his, his, his early career. I'm curious to see like the scanners part of, uh, <laughs> of Brad Carver's career, like in yeah. the 80s or something. So, yeah, I would agree to it. It's not... Quite at the heights of Possessor, mm-hmm. but certainly is an experience to have in a theater. And I was really yeah. strange watching in a group. I'm I'm glad it wasn't playing at the Al- local Alamo Draft House, and
1: I didn't have to eat during the movie. <laughs> I was having popcorn, though. I, did, I Although they would have come up with some hell hell of different kinds <laughs> of uh, foods that you could have ordered, right? Uh, steak medium rare, etc. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah. Okay. So, geez, I was hoping there was going to be a little more dissension here, but I I think I'm actually following okay. in your footsteps. Or, I I think there's a lot to be admired here, and and I think there's a lot of great ideas mm-hmm. in play. Um, though it doesn't pull together quite as satisfyingly as Possessor did for me, where it was both sort of like the the visuals and, and and the sort of extreme situations sort I felt like it served the story in ways that I'm not convinced that it did as well with this film. Um and and I guess we should get start getting into some sure. particulars. The
1: film left me with a lot of questions. I have questions and maybe yeah. I can get them answered tonight and that might be a way for us to dive right into sure. this thing. Um one of the characters uh so so after the uh, Skarsgård and his wife go through this alone. The idea of them at the police station and them right. learning that they can pay for the double and the wife being the wealthy one and Skarsgård character not having a lot of money because he's only written the one book and it was not a success. The money's coming from her. yeah. So she goes to her ATM card to withdraw the funds required to have the body double. And I'm kind of in the film at this point. like, like Very much so. Yeah. It's, it's very narrative- We've seen a, a gruesome killing because uh, Skarsgård at the wheel of the car you know, hits hits a farmer crossing the road while the lights on the car are cinematically not yeah, working right. correctly. I'm wondering if he's being set up. Yeah, They say later, we were going to set you <laughs> we up. We didn't even we have, didn't to. have to. We <laughs> didn't have to because you ended up killing a dude. Yeah. Um, but then... Um, The actual body double procedure I thought was fascinating. You step into this uh, red goo. Uh, Right. Kind of in a closet. Yeah. Yeah. With a shower cap on and a a thing on your mouth to keep it open (laughs) to where you can't close your mouth. But then we don't see why you have the shower cap or why you can't close your mouth. But all of a sudden there's a perfect double of him. Yeah. That he and his wife are going to witness being stabbed by the son of the person that he killed. Which is the custom in this country. Right. I'm in it. I'm, this is all very interesting. Some close-up stabbing, and there's some body horror there that yeah. I thought was very, you know, well done. Effective, yeah. Very mm-hmm. much so. But then when Mia Goth and her crew begin to explain, we've all had this done before, too. And yeah. we're actually kind of a crime sp- – like we come here to go on a crime spree, yeah. have our doubles killed, and then go home. And that's our vacation, uh, effectively, is the, the mm-hmm. explanation. I don't understand though the reason to set Andrew Skarsgard up to join their crew. I don't understand the idea that they paid for because then we see that they've paid for extra body doubles that they just kind of fuck with, you know? I mean yeah. and use the body doubles to mess with Skarsgard for reasons kind of unknown, except for just a deranged bit of sadism. I think that was it, right? He was like a plaything to them.
0: Yeah. I mean he becomes one of i I I hear where you're coming from, Joe, and I think I understand your answer Jim too but I was having the same like well what is it because there's a couple moments here towards the end so this is definitely folks getting into spoilers if you're at all interested in preserving this film and any surprise it might give you you you'd probably want to pause and go watch the film but um, you know really towards the end of the film when we get to that instance where Mia Goth as Gabby finally kind of just reveals that, no, we've been fucking with you the whole time. We I never We didn't read your even book. have to set you up. I never read your book. We just, you know, I looked you up and I was like, oh, this guy has got to be a depressed writer. He's going to take, you know, and, and you know, is, is sort of riding the hood of the car behind him as he's being forced to kind of, I don't know, you know, walk in front of them. And it's, it's such a weird sequence. It's such a weird thing. And this about face that goes on, why did they pick him? What What is it? I don't, I don't know that it matters because they're just so brazen about like this is they derive pleasure out of just going to this country, uh, Latoka, and doing whatever the hell they want to whomever they want. Right. Messing with the government officials, messing with the police and and ultimately messing with other guests, I guess, and and, and maybe pulling them in, though then it does. Sort of reverse where it seems like they want to bring him into the fold by the end of it, right? Um, Where, you know, they they finally goad him in successfully to killing a final double of his, like him actually killing that double of his. Um, And then she embraces him and he suckles at her teat. And I have another question. There's (laughs) There's
1: <laughs> very much in that moment. A, There's definitely a
0: a, a, a mammary fixation. Mammary fixation,
1: film. but also like a he, he willingly goes to the breast. I mean, he, like he's he's receiving a mother's yeah. love at that point. Yeah. which I did not know he was missing in his life, nor is it ever kind of told to right. us that he is outside well, we of really some psychedelics. Prior to that, would...
0: psyche that might, right. I mean, it's not we don't get his backstory much other than a little you know dribs and drabs of the failed author rich wife whose dad owns a publishing house that's the only reason his book got published you know like so we we kind of learned a little bit of that but we don't really know for sure how he feels about it or what it's not about his inner life as much as we do get these kind of Psychedelic sequences where it seems like there are these images from his psyche, kind of flashing before us. We should say Mia Goth
1: introduces them to the only drug available in this country, which is a psychedelic used for ritual,
0: religious ritual, yeah. and fertility ritual. Does she say? I think so. At least it works as an aphrodisiac. Uh, and there you go. An aphrodisiac. An aphrodisiac. And
1: um, under the influence of this drug is when you see some of the photosensitive, you know, camera work. Um, But not only that, some psychosexual imagery that is very much out there. Yeah. I just, and I love seeing out there stuff and I love a director that can present really cool looking out there stuff. I just don't know to what end it is outside of showing us some really out there stuff.
0: Back up for a second, right? Now in in the beginning, I think, where you said you were with it, and where I felt like I was with it for like the first act, I think a lot of it comes across to me as pretty clear, kind of dark satire, right? It's it's in the mode of Triangle of Sadness. We said this uh, again and again in 2022. Yeah, I, the in menu, I mean, we yeah. have this spate of films and The White Lotus, we could say on television, that skewering the wealthy, older right? Wealthy. Showing the wealthy in these kind of elite resorts or cruises. Uh, or restaurants in the case of the menu that you know you have to have this kind of extravagant wealth to be able to even access and then what is it that the rich do and kind of you know taking them apart now here we don't have the multi-layered like where we get into the um, the service workers at the resort or any like we don't really get into that I mean you get a little tiny glimpse of some of the locals you know in terms of the police the government officials
1: Another guest when he's at his worst behavior, kind of brazen at the restaurant things That's true, things right? You get a moment there. And a little bit
0: of like the
2: villagers, right, with that farming family. Yes, right. Very, very, very little, briefly. R- very briefly.
0: Yeah. But, but, it, but still, I think in the beginning, it's a fairly clear kind of social satire kind of thing that's going on. If you're wealthy enough to uh, to afford it, you can commit crimes and know that you've got a way out at the end. Right, right. And, and you know, I, I think that's a very valid kind of satire to be putting out there. Like the the wealthy do have a great track record of escaping repercussions for their, you know, bad behaviors because they have the money to pay for good lawyers, for good defenses, you know, all this stuff. And so it it fits well there. And so the basic premise, but where it gets into this particular character and what his, what is sort of driving him and what it is. Now I get the part where initially this kind of moment of seeing a version of himself killed almost delivers a charge. There's a nice little moment there. There's that shot of him where he kind of almost smirks slightly as he's looking of you, you can kind of tell, okay, there's something's gotten awakened in him and you think maybe this is going to inspire him, right? And, and I actually thought we were going to maybe transition into him typing away yeah, furiously. Yeah, they never did any of that. <laughs>
2: Was it just to say that he hated himself, or... It was hard to say. It never motivated him to do anything more than just keep exploring this... I don't know. What seemed to be this illicit sexual uh, relationship with the Mia Goth character, which never
0: went anywhere either beyond just her revealing, oh, we've been fucking with you the whole time. Because he fools M, his wife, right? He he tricks her by hiding his passport and saying that he's lost his passport. And that's why... Because after the first instance, she's ready to get out of there. And he... At least is playing along that he wants to leave too. But in reality, we come to find out later, has hidden his passport and is using that as an excuse to stay behind and extend his stay there.
1: Prior to learning that you can buy your double right. and get out of it, he is very desperate and scared and uh, upset and remorseful that he has killed the man and then is going to be yeah. punished justly. You know, not justly, but punished in the way that this country punishes. I think the smirk when he watches the double gets killed is him saying... I I can't
0: believe i got away, I get away, with, away this. with this okay okay
1: okay but then when he they get back to the hotel they would do what any sane couple would do let's get the hell out of here right but he doesn't
0: want to leave well he, he hides ha- his
1: passport to stay
0: and it is important to mention that you know before we ever have this while they're on that uh day trip excursion where they go to this beach um you know after he's relieved himself mia goth comes up behind him which i actually thought was a great little scene that that i'd never in that i don't think i've ever seen this kind of seduction before if we're talking about updating the femme fatale and there's definitely noir going on here right um and you, you have this you know woman come up and she doesn't even bother to say a word or even look him in the eyes she just Goes behind him and reaches around and gives him a hand job just after he's finished urinating, right? And we we see that it's it's shot very tastefully. <laughs> but
2: did you know that that was the part the NC seventeen section of the film that was I've heard, down? That, that I've heard
0: that I've heard that there is an actual shot of and the Sundance version of yeah him. yeah yeah um, and and some other maybe I think the. Some of the psychedelic scenes where it's the orgy stuff is going on get a bit more graphic, and I don't know if right. That- I read it was
2: something like five seconds, really, that was cut. Okay,
0: yeah, but five seconds of ejaculation. I mean, the
2: whole there was a whole article in the New York Times today about the um, NC the the cut of the movie and how there might this movie might inspire a new rating. Between R and NC-17. Oh,
0: really? Yes.
2: T- because t- it's a wide-release film that was originally rated NC-17. Mm. I would say probably this and uh, I think Blonde was the most recent one, right, that had the same, same issue going on. Okay. So it's part of the spate of movies that are being rated NC-17... But are they any worse than what you're seeing on like HBO or Netflix, where they don't have to worry about those ratings? Right. right? The restrictions right. that the theaters make these distributors run by. So it, it's a, yeah, it could be like the gremlins or Temple of Doom for <laughs> the new ratings. To
0: break another rate. Wow, right. that's interesting. Um, but, you know. I, I want to talk more about this in After Hours the whole
1: rating system <laughs> and the forced censorship that the theater does to the well, filmmaker. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Better start writing this down. Yeah, no, but it definitely has been talked about with this film. You're right. Um, but but nonetheless, that has planted the seed. P- pardon the pun. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it, it planted the seed that there is this kind of sexual connection going on. And so, you know, it makes some sense to me. It didn't, it didn't pull me out where I was like, oh, why would he stick around? But at the same time, there was that piece of me that like, but I thought the setup here was that he was this you know sort of struggling author with writer's block who who wanted and that goes nowhere there's never a moment where it seems to awaken a creative and maybe that's the commentary there that he never was a writer he was only it was only like sort of a perfunctory thing that he did to sort of try to legitimate himself uh maybe for himself having a wealthy wife whose dad was the owner of a publisher right i mean like but, Maybe that was the commentary there. But it, but it lost me a little bit in that once it sort of switched to him sticking around just to have this kind of extended affair with her and, and the husband, right? There's an openness to their marriage. Yeah.
2: It definitely felt like, yeah, he he felt emasculated by his wife is what I was getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And he felt powerful. I, I couldn't figure out if in some way he th- assumed the uh, Gabby's husband didn't know yeah right right and he was like pulling it over him yeah, yeah, like yeah he yeah. was feeling more powerful as a result of that but yeah by the time they get to the whole revelation that it is not um a secret yeah right
0: yeah i question his motives at that point yeah i was really questioning why isn't he right there was no well and, and then the psychedelic drug comes along and it, you know so, so there, there's other things that could kind of keep him there but it just i guess i go back to if we're gonna have this film that is so focused like possessor was all about the the character and their memories and, and their sort of psychological composition, right? And there, in that case, Andrea Riseborough played that character um, who could enter into other people but then kind of got trapped in the other. And so it was like a mix of their memories and her memories and the colliding. And it was all about sort of, you know, that in a way that I, I feel like it just, I don't know. Like I, I was expecting this film to probe those kind of areas again and i felt like i wanted it to but it it didn't it kind of kept me at arm's length the character that did develop that actually kept me interested was gabby the the mia goth character and part of that is just her as a performer i think is on another level i i really do think the accolade she's gotten for X and Pearl and and you know the speculation about Maxine and 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 again her work in Suspiria. I, I, there's other stuff that she's done. I think she has some really strange energy that she is willing to bring to the screen. Um, her delivery of certain lines, that sort of like weird, almost like cackle laugh slash scream thing that I don't even know how to describe it. But that she pulls it. She pulled it out in Pearl for sure and i heard it here and there's just something about like the the tone that she's able to to hit that she's able, it, it just is unsettling to me the way she deep says way. james or all the different yeah, ways right yeah yeah um so you know that towards the end of the film where she really turns that up i think there's you know it it pulled me back in in a way where i was like oh my god but even that like <laughs> the the final sequence oh that was my last where question you know, they, they've played with him. They've toyed with him. They forced him to finally kill his double very overtly. and As with. if
1: that was going to con, uh, complete some transformation right. that they kept talking about.
0: Then we cut to the next day and they're just heading back. It's the end of their vacation. It's all very nonchalant. And I guess maybe that is some, again, going back to the satire, the commentary, it's like, okay, yeah, they'll do this kind of tourism. But then, when it's said and done, they go back to their lives. They're all on the shuttle back to the airport. Right? What
1: are you going to do when you get home? Oh, I've got a project and I've got a thing. And yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And he's just kind of sitting in the back, Benjamin Braddock style. Going. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good.
0: Going, yeah, I did uh, think of The graduate actually. Yeah. The back of the <laughs> just bus. Just like yeah. what the fuck have I been through? His
1: wife's left, left, and gone home. He's reconciled with her over the telephone. He's coming home. I'll see you at eleven thirty. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But then he stay. He decides to stay. Yeah. But he, he's not the wealthy one. So it's not, I don't think that he's got a crime spree ahead of him where his double can now Nor be. Nor is the resort re, even open, repurchase. right? I mean, that
0: we've been preparing for the fact that there's this monsoon season there and they're closing down the resort. I mean, he goes back to an emptied, shut down resort to just sit out. And I guess, I, I mean, I don't know. Couple of questions. Yes. Yeah. Number one was that him
2: at the end or was it a double oh okay very good okay. question. now that so, that's introduced that.
0: early on right when when he first kind of goes yeah. to that little gathering of all the people who who are essentially the murder tourists or whatever you know that the doubles um and you know one of the first questions that one of the guests asks is like so are, you know like did you think whether or not you were sure if it was you or the other one who who actually and it's like hmm and they kind of let that lie. They don't like probe it throughout the rest of the film, but that is sort of a lingering question Is like at any moment those tables could have been turned. And in fact, uh you know, there is the, the I thought one of the one of the scenes that was done nicely was where they go on that um, you know, that that nighttime raid of the the person's the the official's house to get the medal and the, it was was it the mayor or something? I don't know. Anyway,
1: who, who Ka- the, the the person that has put this resort row in this country where yeah. clearly tourism shouldn't exist.
0: <laughs> right. right. But it, they, they've raided the house. They're in there kind of like messing with these people. Yeah, like like Clockwork Orange, the scene where yes. they go. Yes, yeah. very similar, like a home invasion kind right. of scene. They've tied them up. And th- they eventually do get caught. And we cut to them gathered in some sort of... You know, execution theater and they're being read in the, and they all get executed. And at least for a moment, I was thinking, oh, it went because it's led into with that moment where the, you know, detective or the interrogator or whatever comes in and basically says, like, y- you guys don't get it. Like, we've let you do this in the past, but you've abused our laws. Like, we're, we're doing this. So I actually bought, okay, they're getting killed here. But th- then, of course, you know, we cut to the reverse shot and it's the, all of them the the originals or maybe the doubles we don't right sitting in the theater so so there is this like persistent kind of thread there like okay d- is there a moment where maybe the double gets the treatment that the original was supposed to get or i don't know
1: and then the idea that these the, the the folks that are the the gang of doubles can purchase more models yeah. of the Scarsguard guy, right? To mess with them, it, to me, sorry, breaks the rules of the whole thing. <laughs> but maybe it doesn't. But ultimately, I, I guess I just don't care. I mean, well, I, I mean, now on that, problem.
0: I am happy to say that rules don't exist for the ultra wealthy, right? They can they the can point, get around whatever. Can, so yeah. so I'm I'm happy to go with that. But I hear what you're saying. It's like the, you know. Well, why are they suddenly able to manipulate the system this much? I don't know. But so then I wondered if one
2: one version of him went home, right? And the other oh, stayed okay. or vice versa, right? That lingered in my mind. Then I wondered the last question I had. Sure. The infinite, the resort area he stays in at the end, the last shot we see. Yeah. Isn't there an infinity pool there? The one that had been talked about previously that the um had killed Gabby's husband, right, had like designed, had designed right? Like yeah. a resort that was not finished or something. Yeah. Wasn't that what it was? And it partly it killed someone? Uh, yes. So I was trying to figure out what that Meaning, all has to be right, right,
0: right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm, I had similar thoughts about the like at some point did we, but I, but I hadn't actually kind of gone to the level of like, okay, if we, if we're creating multiple doubles at any time, one of them could have already gone home and been there with him. Now, at that point, I guess, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, don't know. I, don't know. I mean, yeah. the, it does. The premise opens up this big space to kind of speculate about well, what does that mean? Could they have done that? Would that be and I and I think that's great. And I think there's something laudable in that. I like it that it's a film that leaves you with these kind of lingering questions, but I just can't shake the fact that I don't feel like he did enough with the James Foster character to have it really pull together. Um I think Skarsgard does a pretty good job. Sure. I don't think he falls down on the performance. Yeah. But I just don't think there's enough there to really get me to understand what's going on. Mia Goth again does a tremendous job, yeah. and I can almost overlook the fact that I don't understand her yeah. motivations.
1: I just don't see myself going back to this one the way I did. Possessor, I went to go. I want. To, I wanted to watch that movie again. This one, I think, one on one and done for now. Um, I. I think ultimately, we you were talking about is this early David Cronenberg the Sun version. It is interesting that when you when we went back and watched scanners, you know, uh, we've we've gone back and watched some of the early Cronenberg here, yeah. and you do see some of the duct tape and spit and you know, yeah, in uh, those. Uh, but at the time, that was masterful practical effects work. Yeah, that still it, you have a lot of respect for mm-hmm. what what Brandon Cronenberg. I am going to give him all of the props of he is using some fantastic filmmaking technique. Oh yeah, the cinematography is incredible. Yeah, the um the psychedelics are just kind of interesting to behold and watch. I'm just not sure that they lead me to a place that really
0: services the story in an effective manner for me. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, as I was especially towards the beginning, I think you know the first act had me for sure. Um, some of the choices he made in terms of. The way he moves the camera does some of those twisting camera movements that kind of mm-hmm. you know just mess with your sense of perspective and you know and really you know make you feel discombobulated and i think for good reason it's you know that that's a good entry to, to the i think the montage sequences that you're talking about those psychedelic kind of whether he's taken the drug or he's gone into the chamber to become the double or whatever like the the different sort of um, lighting schemes that they use there the way that dissolves the light. I mean I think there's lots of wonderful technique being used here as there was in Possessor and probably Antiviral I need to get back to that me one. But, too I haven't seen it but but yeah it just didn't feel like it was in service right. of the story quite as much as it was before yeah Um, but but i'm excited i mean i'm still excited about cronenberg no black eye no i I, and and this isn't one that i would say avoid i would say hey if if you have the inclination if you liked possessor if you liked any of his other work you should check it out and tell me why i'm wrong maybe (laughs) but uh but nonetheless like it it maybe not as satisfying an experience as that prior film
2: more interesting than Crimes of the Future, I thought, but okay. yeah, not up there with a Possessor. Okay, I would agree.
0: All right, all right. Well, we're in pretty good agreement here about Infinity Infinity Pool, and we and we have a pretty you know kind of consistent recommendation here. When it comes to Bangarang, um, well, we can all agree that it's a hook reference now that Jim <laughs> got a, got us on board with that. Uh, but but in terms of how it tasted, how how it fueled our conversation, what are you guys thinking? Was this the right call for a first segment drink this evening
1: i'm missing the marshmallow i'm missing the peanut butter but i'm getting a lot of caramel a lot of caramel
0: yeah i get caramel you're right i don't so much get the peanut butter um was there honey in there too correct i i mean i think i get a, a little bit of honey and it, with, with the caramel it's delicious i'm not, i i don't think it's a slouch of a beer no by any stretch but i think you're right like if you're gonna put this the laundry list I want to make sure that I'm tasting some of the... You know, the, each of those things and see how they all work together. But um, yeah, they, they, this one maybe t- isn't quite delivering on the full recipe. I they're... also had a problem
1: that I think was completely psychosomatic uh-huh. of this disclaimer. And big white... Not big, but big white The artificial white letters, flavors. The artificial caramel. flavors and caramel color. I think it tainted my experience up in my head. Mm. And I... Um, I'll take responsibility for that. But otherwise, I, I, I taste did this to, to, to be. I rather found this to be delicious, and I wouldn't uh, turn it away if it was offered to me again. Yeah. Feelings, Jim.
2: The caramel definitely tainted it for me too. The yeah. caramel color, yeah. the idea. Yeah, that's all I can taste. Mm. Okay, okay, interesting. But I appreciate the hook reference.
0: <laughs> well, it, you know whether you appreciated the reference or not, we hope you appreciated what what our thoughts were on Infinity Pool and uh, and maybe even chime in offline. Joel, give you some directions there at the end of the podcast for for how to get into the conversation on that. But but before you even get there, stick with us for the second half where we're going to take on a second film that's set at a resort, maybe not quite as exclusive, but nonetheless a resort when we come back from the break. Back, all right. Uh, you know, like I said, another resort film. Um, but before we get there, before we start talking about the film, we need to have a beer. And thankfully, our returning guest, Jim Fleury, uh, has has brought a beer with him,
2: yeah. So my uh, effort was really to try to find a uh, themed beer. Both these movies taking place in Eastern Europe, I, I think, we're, right? It, yeah, it, yeah,
0: Turkey in the case of the film and we're about made to talk about, and, and then the made-up Latoka. Right. Yeah. Right. So I
2: was like, okay, Pilsner or Kel, maybe it's the closest I could get. But Ooh. then I thought, I want something that is probably no one has had, that okay. you probably have not featured on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I went with a... Red Chair NWPA, a a Northwest Pale Ale out of uh, Deschutes from uh, Bend, Oregon. All right. And it is a uh,
1: 6.2% by volume, so uh, nice should be good. And Deschutes, congratulations. Uh, Many breweries aspire for the (laughs) honor that you are about to receive tonight
0: with this beer. Deschutes enters. The BAM Five Timers Club. That's awesome. Wow, two weeks in a row. La- right. Last episode, we, we brought in Spindle Tap to the Five Timers yep. Club. This week, thanks to Jim, we have the shoots now the Five Timers Club. Very exciting stuff. Can't wait to taste the beer itself. Um, and, and, you know, it's got, got a little bit of a resort element to it there. With the
2: yeah, it's got some skis on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, well, Joe, what... You know, as we pour this here, I don't know if you want to... uh Well, the Oscar nominations came out after last week's episode, after the
1: recording time of last week's episode. And I think in last week's episode, I said, uh, the films we're about to do, RRR and Decision to Leave, last week's, Yes. I would put money on the fact that they're both going to be nominated for Academy <laughs> Awards, and I would have and lost your money that bet. would have been gone. Yeah, I would have lost that bet, and then when we were programming this month, this catch-up month, although
0: RRR did get original song, so there is a, a one nomination sure. for RRR. Yes,
1: uh, when we were putting together what we wanted to do leading up to the Bammies in just two weeks, uh, after Sun was on this list, it was getting a lot of awards buzz, a lot of top of the top ten list buzz. And uh, After Sun is the film we're doing. It, it did some gangbusters awards uh, at, Goth- I think, the Gotham Film Festival, where director Charlotte Wells uh, won Best Director. And-, and
0: this is her debut feature, I believe. As I right? understand it, yeah. yeah. She's done shorts, but this mm-hmm. is the first feature-length film. Here's she- a
1: synopsis I found online. 20 years after their last holiday at a fading vacation resort, Sophie reflects on the rare time spent with her loving and ideal- idealistic father, Caleb. At 11 years old, as the world of adolescence creeps into Sophie's view, Caleb struggles under the weight of life outside of fatherhood. Sophie's recollections become a powerful and heart-rending portrait of their relationship as she tries to reconcile the father she knew with the man that she didn't. And I'll just quickly add that while the film is shot uh, on film, Uh, interspersed within are some DV recordings that were taken on the vacation that we kind of come back to. We see them actually being filmed. And then we see very briefly, the film is really centered around the 11 year old Sophie, but we do see briefly the adult Sophie watching the videos and ruminating on what she's watching.
0: Yes. Right. And, and I think it's interesting. Like the, the synopsis you read is totally accurate. Um, However, I think the fact that it is a woman later in her life reflecting back on these memories from the past—I don't know if that's going to be apparent to most viewers. No. At least not until pretty close to the end of the film. Correct. Um, there is, I think, in one of the the it opens with some of this, uh, you know, mini DV footage that that was shot from this this trip, and that gets repeated a little bit later. And we can see it being watched. And if you notice, I, I went back and watched it just because I, I thought it's like the reflection of an older woman right. in on the TV screen as she's watching this footage. Uh-huh. So there, there's a little hint there at the beginning if you're a really close observer yeah. where you might get a hint that, okay, this is somebody watching back this footage, but that's about as much as you get until much later in the film where there's kind of a clearer scene where yeah. she's sitting well, on a couch looking well, at it. Yeah. The
2: movie opens up with, if I recall, rewinding of that tape, right? right so right. there's there's a sense it's, of... It's so already much. a sense of playback, right? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. So it opens up with that, I think, over the studio logos even. Um, but then also, I, I believe the adult version of her is shown throughout those um, dance sequences. Yes. Like those, again, those like...
0: That, there are like these kind rave, of cryptic
2: kind of, rave sequences that go on. You're right, right. exactly. So she's interspersed there, but you don't know who that is until I believe the very end, when you actually do see the
1: adult uh, sure. Sophie, right? But, but like I said, the bulk of the film is father and so, father and daughter on vacation. Yes, and there um, you learn that the father and the mother have separated, mm-hmm. and this is a time he's trying to have with his daughter without the mother there. And you also get the impression that he is going through, I may not use all the correct terminology, but certainly a depression. Uh, There is at least one scene of him just full blown, just crying alone in a room. And there's that scene on the,
2: uh, it confused me at first, it was an extended long uh, long take of him on the balcony, Mm -hmm. right? Where he leaves her. And so it's playing into that, what part of your parent do you really know, right? As a child. And he just ruminates by himself for a very, very long time right? having a cigarette out on the balcony.
0: He's kind of moving, strangely, too. Yes, and yeah. if you don't know if it's
2: part of his, his whole Tai Chi meditation practice that he's been doing. But then there's that moment where he goes into the water as well in the middle of the night at the yeah. ocean. Yeah, And you don't know what's going to happen to him there. Yeah. and So that was how I was interpreting it. And I think those rave sequences are also playing somewhat into his... Psyche, right? Isn't that what it's supposed to represent in some way?
0: Well, I think so. Or her. I mean, I I kind of took them as hers. I I've I've seen those maybe like memory or dreams that she's having, where she would because. Well, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead too much. I want to talk about what I liked about how. Okay, but my experience watching this film, um, I, in contrast to the film that we're talking about in the first half, Infinity Pool. Which pulled me right in, and like no I said, doubles,
1: no close-ups of knives going into torsos.
0: <laughs> in this what, film, yeah, right, And no, no, no. After Sunset. No, You'll but see. I'm just saying, the first act, I said a couple times in the in the first half of the episode, drew me in totally. I was there, I was going with it, I was loving it. Right, this film, for at least the first half hour, forty five minutes, I was really struggling a bit. I was like. I don't know if this is going to capture my attention fully. Like I'm forcing myself to pay attention here. I've got 50 minutes to go. I was w- I was watching this at home on the couch. You know, this is this was did not play on big screens here. Maybe it will. Uh, it it didn't get best picture, so it nope. won't for as part of the cinema market. It, it's just best actor. Um, and it, so you know, it, it wasn't an option. I think it would have benefited from that. For but I was struggling a bit, like feeling like, well, okay, but they're, they're not really saying that much. There, there's not even that much conflict like it's a lot of day seems, in the life activity. she seems to want to please yeah. the dad the dad seems to want to please her he's a little bit emotionally distant there's something that's kind of b- blocking there i could tell that but at least on the surface he was responding to her and there's like and i'm just like well, where's the conflict here what is it and you know i think it was sort of around where there's this conversation that takes place. They're out, um, they go out on an excursion, you know, as part of the resort, there are these, you know, day excursions you can do, and they go out diving and he's on the boat. She, she loses her goggles and he's kind of holding back. And you kind of see in the subtlety of his performance and her reaction to it and the way she does, how sad of a, how, how tough of a moment that is because he's obviously strapped, right? We we get these little indications that she doesn't have the all-inclusive bracelet, right? She she doesn't get to just order drinks like she wants. They're on a budget, right? Uh-huh. The, the, whereas a lot of the people at the resort have more and they and they're able to kind of just, you know, do whatever they want. And here she has lost this expensive piece of equipment that he, you know, is sort of responsible for. And you can tell it's kind of hitting him and she can kind of tell it's hitting him and they have this kind of tender moment. And then, right after that, he has that quick exchange with the guy on the boat about, you know, he has a child coming and, you know, like, I didn't think it was gonna happen to me until I was 40. This was the guy. And then he says, you know, in return, like, I, you know, I don't even think I'll make it to 40, right? I, I was surprised they made it to 30, right. you, you know? And, you, you know, in this like boat, I'm like, oh my God, this guy is hiding way more than I was realizing. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of made the emotional distance. And from there on, I was just sucked in, and I was feeling like, oh my God, there's all. And you, you would see these little moments. I haven't been able to. I do. I, I did rewatch one scene today. I watched it last night in preparation for for this discussion. Um, but I really do want to watch it again because I feel like I would get even more out of the beginning of the film if I was reading it the way that I ended up reading it as I went on. Um, so once it made that turn, I was there. I think this film is brilliant. Put it, put it out there
2: I think what did it for me was that opening scene where it opens up again with like the rewinding the playback of the mm. of the DV right and her first question to her dad she's going on to be 11 yeah. he's going on to be 31 and she asks him something like uh, where did you imagine you would be at 11 yeah. and that is what gets him to stop her and then they, that scene becomes so significant because it gets replayed again later when you see right. the actual recording of it right when you see them
0: in the room as it's yeah right as it's being recorded right
2: and so it just emphasizes the significance of that moment, right, where it's all about him ruminating on who, who he wished he would be, right. Yeah. And he's, you think about, it, he's would have been nineteen twenty when he would have had her, right. So he's a, you know, obviously a very young father. And so there's something there. there that's your first indication that he is not where
0: he wanted to be in his life, or not where he expected to be yeah. at least, right. Yeah.
2: So that was really what grabbed me from the oh. from the get-go. Yeah.
0: And and I. I think that, that's great. I mean, I, I, I wish I had locked in that way at the beginning. I think I was a little more struggling just to be like, okay, well, what, what's the significance of this? But I think you're absolutely right. Once it came back... That I knew, was right. I knew, yeah, that emphasizes going. it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I've referenced After Hours a couple of times. That's yeah. $5 a month. You get a bonus episode every week, patreon.com yeah. slash beer in a movie podcast. If you are an After Hours listener, you heard my daughter on the show two weeks ago. That's right. And my daughter got into a little bit of trouble where we had to take away some phones and driving privileges. And that means I'm driving this 17 year old to school. And I did that for two weeks without her phone, without her headphones. And it was magical. And we reconnected in a way that I didn't even know we needed to. Um, I am divorced. And I recall very, very much a a Bahamas vacation that me and my my ex-wife her mother and my two kids went on. Mm. This film sucked me in from the moment that it started. Yeah. Because while I'm very happy and while I she and I have got a beautiful relationship. Um even stronger now than it was two or three weeks ago, just by fucking talking a little bit, you <laughs> yeah. know. Just get those headphones out of your ears and we'll talk a little bit. Um, this film is about memory. Yeah, this film is sure. about what eleven-year-old girl is going to remember about that very, very important trip with a father sure. that we are to assume is no longer around?
0: Right, and I, I mean, I like how the film handles that. It too. doesn't
1: give you any answers, no. but you can walk away from, like I'm doing right now, with my own experiences and make all kinds of choose-your-own-adventure moments. Sure,
0: out. yeah.
1: Um, it, it, but it's playing with the what the memories of this trip would have been for the father, father who has a, a level of stress. Over the trip that he's trying to keep from his daughter because he's a good dad. Yeah. But also because he's steeped in the realities of life. And she's there at the, like this synopsis I read, at the beginning of adolescence where she's like the only one her age female.
0: She's a tween. Yeah. I mean, it's that. Space between being a child mm-hmm. and between where you're
1: watching the yeah. older kids make out and couple up and, and fondle each other under the and you, you
0: kind of get why that would be, but you're not there yet. You're not there yet, yeah. and you don't
1: really have like anyone that you could do that with. And your dad's probably watching the whole time anyway. And she does end up getting her first kiss with a boy true, that she yeah. has a little yeah. bit of uh interaction with at the video arcade, yeah, which is poignant and sweet and. It, well played, yeah. you know, for yeah. the, the real life moment that I'm, y'all have all been kissed once, right? Okay. <laughs> that we've all that we've all been through.
0: Not at that age. <laughs> <laughs> but the movie- I is... wasn't as lucky as the kid at the resort. <laughs> right. Let me put but, it that way.
1: But the movie is slow, but not not laborious. It's, it's no, just no. showing you a life that you could completely believe. Right. I did not think I was watching performances during this movie. Yeah. I thought I was yeah. literally watching a father and a daughter connect in so many ways. Yeah, I can't believe she wasn't nominated for an Academy. Well, there she
0: was incredible. That yeah. that's a great point. I mean, th- she does, and, and I keep saying she. I, I should know this actress's name. Um, th- does a fantastic job, Joe. Do you have it at your fingertips? There, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, you my, want to I race? Just went down. I uh, anyhow. I think she was fantastic. I mean, I do think Mescal Paul right. Paul Mescal. He was great. Yeah, he was fantastic, and he and he's the one who got the acting nom, and I think it's deserved here. Um, I, I haven't really seen a lot of his work. Otherwise he was on uh, normal people, which I have not seen yet. Has it, have you seen it? Is that it got nominated for, I think both British and American awards. Frankie Corio. Okay. C O R I O. Yeah. Um, but she's just outstanding and, and it's really their film. I mean, it's the two of them. Now there is the adult version of, uh, um, Sophie that, you know, we do see in, in bits and pieces. It's not as demanding. I don't role, think. Does but, she even
2: speak? Uh, I don't know. They, her partner does. Yeah, partner does. Yeah.
0: So, so there's a moment where there's like, but I don't think she does actually. He was the, also
1: the um kind of cabana boy, pool boy figure in The Lost Daughter. If you, oh if yes, you recall.
0: that's right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Paul
1: Muscall. In That's interesting.
2: I mean, he's he's very young. He's like 26, I think. Yeah, he yeah. was
0: playing older. He was playing older, which is shocking. Yeah. yeah no, one,
1: I, I love this movie. I, I would recommend anyone to watch it, but understand that unlike an RRR or an Infinity Pool, it is not, it is not a nonstop movie. You know, uh, action ride at all? Oh,
0: really? It's Come not, on! No, but, but it, it's, it's not supposed to be. Yeah, it's he not doesn't throw to one tiger this entire film. No, I was really upset,
1: have, or at least uh, a fish out from that snorkel trip. Mm-hmm. You said the a couple. No, there
0: is a great dance sequence, but the, go ahead, well, please. Yeah. Well, I, you know, if if we're comparing it to RRR, I think yeah. so. To to me, the the emotional climax of the film, right, is that is is this sort of um, cross cut dance sequence where it takes as Jim said, we've been having these recurring flashes of this kind of rave scene that, however we interpret it, whether it's dreams on the part of the adult Sophie or some version of, uh, you you know, Callum's memory or whatever it is that's going on, uh, imagining him at his age when they're at this resort, so around 30, 31, he turns 31 at the resort, um, and the adult Sophie sort of in this same space, and she's kind of trying to get to him or you know it seems like but then at a certain point in the film we get to where it's kind of the end of their vacation you know it's his birthday and they've gone out and they've actually had a pretty good time and on the way back even though the day before the night before he's kind of jilted her on this you know i guess it had been a tradition of them when they went on vacation to do karaoke together and he won't do it and he even kind of puts her down after I mean it's a pretty devastating scene emotionally there but it's really he's projecting it's how he's feeling about himself you can tell that but he's finally kind of on a bit of an emotional high and you know they're coming back to the resort after having dinner and under pressure is playing and he just you know wants wants to dance wants to have a good time and he starts dancing even though she went and she's kind of embarrassed Like, ah, I'm not gonna dance with you dad and he's like doing it and Then it just you know starts doing that cross-cutting back and forth between that moment that they shared at the resort, these flashes that she's having or or somebody's having in their mind of this future time where maybe they're able to come together, and this remixed version of Under Pressure that actually drops out a lot of the instruments, brings in some orchestral stuff. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's like a pre-existing remix that was already out there and I just hadn't heard it. It feels like a... Like demo tapes or, or, or what do you call the master I mean, tapes. It's, I know that it's like they took the vocal stem tracks right. and then put other musical. But it was emphasizing that
2: this is our last dance. Well, that, that that's that where it ends. Over, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, right.
0: And it just, it crushed me. Yeah. I mean, I was a like sobbing mess. Yeah. On the couch, like realizing, like this is their last dance. This is the moment that you know culminates this relationship that they had. Without her realizing, without her know, maybe he did have a, a sense that it was maybe close to the end for them. I don't know, but what, whatever the case was, it totally worked for me, and it and it had me in tears, and I was just you know, it, it was it was the emotional catharsis I wanted at that point and uh and and i think masterfully done and that was the scene that i rewatched today and it's and it made me cry again <laughs> i just had, the had one no part that no way to... bothered me was the dad
2: abandoning her after the karaoke where he's like oh you can just stay down here at the bar just don't get in the trouble or something and just yeah. left her for the whole night and she had to get let in by the hotel staff yeah that was the only part that bothered me i just felt like that was such a I mean, I'm not a dad, but I just felt like that was not great. And it felt out of character, too. It did. But, it
0: was, that was strange. But, but I think it was... And that's where I was actually... you know, Before we started recording tonight, I texted a good friend of the pod. And uh, I don't know if you've met Anthony, but uh, he's a psych professor at the university. We've had him on a few times. And I was like, I really wish you were here to talk with us tonight. Because I feel like this film takes on mental illness in a way that I've seen few films do, where it's not his defining attribute even though it definitely is a big Present, part yeah. of what is driving this character in various yeah. ways and i think a moment like that is where you find like i think his reaction to her singing in the karaoke i think this is like this you know when you get so twisted up inside emotionally and 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 whatever you do these terrible things sometimes and 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 so th- so it worked for me on the level that like it helped just to underscore that this is a man in crisis this isn't like you know as much as he's trying to put on a brave face and do the right things and everything he's struggling to be able to hold it together I think it was his only
1: ability for her like when you segment out your vacation in in days yeah it was a good day today oh, yeah today was kind of a bad day Right. Yeah. whatever that was the only way he was gonna salvage that evening for her was just to not drag her back to the room. Because he, didn't he say that earlier in that day where he said, like, you know,
2: today's been... Where she said, like, today's, like, such a good day that I'm tired or something, and then he took her out to dinner. Yeah. So it might have been that same night, I can't remember, but... Yeah.
1: Uh, it's a beautiful film. And Charlotte Wells, I'll be very eager to see what she does next.
0: Agreed. I mean, I, I love it when I see a film like... I mean, it's it's so... It's so amazing to see a first-time feature filmmaker with this kind of confidence and this kind of like, cause this is re- like I said, and I'm, hey, I'm an art film guy. I I, I go there with some pretty slow paced, boring films. And I was struggling a bit at the beginning. And to think that she eventually pulled me in and really pulled me in and delivered that kind of emotional climax in a way that um, I, I really just hope a film can from time to time it floored me i mean i really do i think this is like the the sign of a brilliant filmmaker who i just can't wait to see what else she's going to be putting out there or even if, the, if this was her only film i'll remember her for all time as being a really important film i will be re-watching this film could not agree more it, it, it was a sign of a really confident
2: first-time director and it would be a confident film from any director I think. yeah
0: yeah, outstanding. Well, I'm glad we got to watch it. I mean, and it is funny when you're putting films together like this. I mean, it was kind of a stretch anyway that we we just wanted to do this new release and pull in something kind of relevant of these films that we still want to catch up on. And we couldn't have picked a starker contrast. But both vacation films. <laughs> I know you mentioned absolutely. how you were talking about this, right? About the
2: um, how many films. I think during COVID especially or post-COVID have been about people on vacation. Yeah. Typically wealthy people. This is an interesting contrast I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Um, but even like bodies 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 in a way. Yes, is, they're not going yeah. to a resort but it is on like a you know a vacation or a getaway of some kind. Yeah. Right? Hurricane party. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. And so that's become such a trend lately.
0: Yeah. No that's a good point. And, and I I don't know how long this will go and, and, and what we will but but you're right. There There is a little bit of a a little, uh, you know, moment here that we're having with these... Yes, yeah,
2: movies about isolation or going on vacation. That tends yeah. to be the two extremes that you're seeing right now.
0: Yeah. Interesting yeah. stuff. Um,
1: well, you, when we go on vacation, you can go to a resort in Turkey. You can also go to a ski slope. You and, could. And uh, that's where we went tonight. The Northwest Pale Ale Red Chair NWPA by Deschutes, courtesy of Jim Floyd. Thank you again, Jim. My... 6.2. Bundle up besides this... the bump, blah, blah, bum, bum, <laughs> bum. <laughs> 10 plus 6.2 is 16.2, David. Bundle up besides this cit- citrusy smooth ale that's an insider's ride to fresh mm. thrills. Did y'all get some fresh thrills with this Dude, Northwest Pale I, Ale? This it's a really real smooth. style. This, I dug
0: it. this is one of those throwback... They're calling it a Northwest-style Pale Ale. I I think West Coast would be kind of where I go. To me... um. This is such a welcome return to a, an approach to pale ales or India pale ales, um, in this case, a pale ale, that really sort of emphasizes the bitterness of the hops, but does so in a really balanced way that's not just there to, like, you know, again, we've talked about on the podcast that, you know, there was that trend of just like, how bitter can we? It has right. like 800 IBUs. Yeah. And it, like, This isn't that, but it is a pronounced bitterness. This is not floral. This is not citrusy. This is not the hazy IPA. This is not the Northeast IPA. This is the Northwest pale ale that I think brings in the bitterness in the right measure. Nice. Now we were talking about caramel on the first part of, but I mean, I think the color here in the malt bill, there's a little bit of a caramel note, but very subtle. Um, I couldn't be more pleased with this. And I haven't had a great Deschutes beer in a while. Because, you know, we have had them. This is their fifth time, like you said, Joe. But we kind of had some of their heavier, darker beers, yeah. the Abyss. But but to have one of these... Butte, uh, like I remember back in the day, vintages. they used to have the fresh squeezed IPA. I yeah. think that's still around. I used to like that one when that first came along. But I've never had this one. And boy, did it deliver. This is just... I. I will be drinking this. I'm going to get a six pack. of this. Yeah, I don't have so much to add, but I was going to say the same thing. I will put a six
1: pack of this in the refrigerator to just have there when yeah. it, it is required.
2: Jim. Jim, I had never had it before, so I'm glad it was a hit.
0: Yeah. And, and do you feel like you'll be drinking this again in the future? Or is this uh Oh, definitely. Especially got
2: to get on that. It's a uh, limited uh, release. So hopefully uh, we can still get some.
0: Yeah. I have a feeling this is probably their winter seasonal, right? To go, go with the slopes and everything. So, uh, yeah, I guess if, it, you know, if, if you're, uh, and they get they get wide distribution. So if if you're at the beer shop in the near future um, and you see a six pack of this, it has the BAM recommendation. Jump folks, on it. Get jump on it. that. Yeah. Well, guys, two different films, very
1: different films, two very different beers, varied conversation. But the best thing about beer in a movie is that the conversation does not end here. You can find us on all the social media. <sighs> David likes to say the names. And and, you can and say the, the whatever you, you, you want. You don't I don't like the do. Facebook and the Instagram and like the, the Twitter, Facebook. but I will give the Discord a little asterisk because that's the most fun one, I think. You can just find us there under the name Beer in the Movie. The conversation continues. Or DM us on any of the others and say, hey, how do I find that uh, Discord? And we'll get you in there. And like I said earlier, After Hours bonus episode every week, five bucks a month. Sign up, help us out. Sometimes we got to buy a thing, and it's nice to have a little... Uh, reserved there to do so. Patreon.com slash Beer in the Movie Podcast. And no matter where you are, we, before you leave, no matter what you're listening on, before you leave, rate us, won't you? Leave a review. And we hope you make it five stars so that the alg- algorithm can... Do what it do. You've heard this before. And put us out there as an option for more listeners. It's always more ears and more eyes. Well, you have just experienced another all-inclusive
0: new episode <laughs> of Bear in a Movie. Until next time... There's this feeling, once you leave where you grew up, that you don't totally belong there again.